listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, May the 29th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. And it is a Bible study Wednesday. The text we're going to be looking at is Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. And why are we looking at that? Well, as I indicated in a promo for tomorrow... It's interesting that not always does Long Gospel hit on a high festival day. Thursday, there's two of them. Uh, the one, of course, is the Palm, uh, not Palm Monday, Thursday, and the initiation of the Lord's Supper. But the other one is Ascension. A lot of churches do not have an Ascension service on Thursday, and so as I will be doing, the pastor ends up talking about it instead on Sunday, even though it's also the seventh Sunday of Easter. Now, you may be interested to know that at the end of this month, we will have done nine months of this Bible study, encouraging congregations to meet in small groups at 930 each Wednesday, Central Time, listen to me for half an hour, and then talk about it afterwards. And we have not only a congregation or so, but even houses where people are joining together to hear about this. We began on September the 5th, 2018. And by the way, I have a list of all 37 Bible studies that we have done so far, this last one being Acts 1, 1 to 11. If anyone would like a copy of this, just email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. And by the way, if you would like to have uh, what is actually being said, we'll be preparing at the end of 2019 an item, a CD or a DVD, but you can also get the 2018 DVD for $10. We'll be glad to send it to you. Has every broadcast that is a live broadcast during the year 2018. So without further ado, by now you've probably looked up Acts chapter 1, and immediately we're going to go to another book. Why? Because it begins in the first book, O Theophilus. Who's this Theophilus? Well, this is really a book by Luke that begins with the Gospel according to St. Luke and then Acts. In fact, if you look at Luke 1, verse 1, he says... Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Now, Luke is written in the Greek style of language, 
And it really indicates the purpose and his method. In other words, he wants to give an orderly account of what the eyewitnesses saw concerning Jesus Christ. Now, Theophilus, which, by the way, in the Greek is two words, meaning friend of God, could have been a patron who helped with monetary advantages so that Luke could publish his gospel. Now, there's no doubt that he knew a little bit about Christianity, but he now needs to hear a lot more. I've often said when we do an adult instruction class, that's kind of like getting out of grade one. If you only attend church, you get about a kindergarten level of theology, and then adult instruction really gives you more insight into what you believe. And finally, you continue in Bible study and more church going to kind of go up in learning more and increasing your faith. So there's no doubt, Acts chapter 1, that's where we're going to look at, where Luke says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until that day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, what's the command he's talking about prior to his being taken up? On the night of the resurrection, the disciples were hidden in an upper room, and Jesus appeared to them. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive the sins of any, they are not forgiven. And that, of course, was on the basis of a disciple understanding whether true repentance was there. So apart from repentance, forgiveness was not offered. And, of course, it was through the Holy Spirit to the disciples that he had chosen that he gave that command. So what we have in Acts chapter 1 is a continuation of the gospel according to St. Luke with Luke giving even more details about Jesus. Now, at the end of the gospel of Luke, it does have a section on his being ascending into heaven, but we're going to be taking a look at the Acts 1 passage. Verse 3, really important. He, which is Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Now, in that upper room on the night of the resurrection, he still had the imprint of the sword and the nails. Remember, Thomas says, unless I can touch him, I will never believe. But it appears that as soon as he saw Jesus... He believed without the necessity of touching him. Uh, Jesus says, blessed are those who have never seen yet have believed, not never touched. So he presented himself to them after his suffering, that was at the cross, by many proofs, that was the resurrection, and he appeared to them during 40 days, 
speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, that's really critical. There are two kingdoms that God is over. The one is the temporal kingdom. The other is the spiritual kingdom or the kingdom of God. And there is really quite a difference. In the temporal kingdom, the secular kingdom, the kingdom of the government, people do pay for their sins, depending on how disobedient to the laws they have been. In the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God, if you go to Hebrews, which quotes Jeremiah, your sins are forgiven. God will no longer remember them by getting even with you. So this is an important item that Acts is talking about, that God is going to have a new covenant. The old covenant under Moses was one where you better obey the law. In fact, the people even said, all these things we will do and obey, and then they went ahead and disobeyed them. So, while staying with them, we're verse 4 in Acts chapter 1. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, once more, we see a big distinction between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Under the Old Covenant, there were promises, but they were also made by the people, saying, we will do this, we will obey, we will follow your commandments, and they failed. Hebrews talks quite a bit about the failure of the Old Covenant is because the people were disobedient, breaking their promises. But here we hear that there is a promise of the Father. And that's the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, that in the New Covenant, the promises are made by God, not by us. Therefore, under the gospel, nothing can fail because God is making the promises. He promised to take upon himself human flesh, in order to die and pay for the sins we had done. So from the cross, he could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And it didn't take long for that to occur. When the thief asked him, remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. And that refers to both of them ascending into heaven in the spirit at the point of their demise. So what is this promise of the Father he's talking about in verse 4 and 5? The promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, there could be a a question about that, because on the night of the Easter resurrection, there's no doubt that Jesus says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Whoever sins you do not forgive, they are not forgiven. Well, haven't they already received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, they have received a partial gift. But what Jesus is talking about, that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, we're actually going to celebrate not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, which is Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit is not just going to be given and poured out on the apostles, but on all Christians. So this is a significant promise from God the Father to all those who believe in Jesus Christ. So why did he tell them not to depart from Jerusalem? Because that's when Pentecost will occur while they are still in Jerusalem. And they are to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, John baptized with water. Remember John says, I baptize you with water, but the one coming after me will also baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, water is going to be included because as we even baptize infants, pouring upon their head water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. They too receive the two gifts that Peter talks about at the end of Acts chapter 2, namely the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So moving on to verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What? What kingdom are they talking about? Well, the disciples for some time had seen Jesus do tremendous works. And so they kind of were like the feeding of the 5,000 people. After they fed him, they jumped to the conclusion that he was going to be an earthly king, a bread king. And they ran after him, trying to get him to be king at that time. And I'm sure a number of the leaders thought that when the Messiah truly came, he would destroy the Romans and restore Israel to its former grandeur. That's what I'm quite sure they were talking about, restoring the kingdom to Israel. But, of course, they had not yet received the gift of the Holy Spirit, who would teach them the proper understanding between the two kingdoms. Now, Jesus does respond to them. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Well, that's really powerful. In other words, only the Father knows when the Son is going to come back to earth to be judge over all. This is something that we Christians need to be really careful of, and that is speculation. I mean, how many Christians, so-called, have actually named the dates when Judgment Day is going to occur? They may even sell their house, get ready for it. I've never figured out why they're selling their house, because those people, too, will be under the judgment. 
But at any rate, they sell their house, they get ready, and then he doesn't come. And then, oh, we made a mistake. It's really this date. And so they keep giving more dates. In fact, I I can guarantee you that any date that someone believes that Jesus is going to return, you can almost be sure he's not going to return. Why? Because he's going to come as a thief in the night. He's not going to come at a time when he is expected. So, when the disciples ask him, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He says, no. It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Do you see what Jesus did here? They're asking, when is the kingdom going to be restored? Thinking that getting rid of the Romans and getting Israel back to its former grandeur. He says, no, the way the kingdom will be truly restored by the Father is when you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And remember one of the miracles that occurred? They were able to speak in other languages. And what were they speaking? They were speaking as witnesses beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is significant because while they thought that the restoration of Israel would take place by the power of God doing some great miracle. He actually is going to restore the kingdom by them speaking the word of God. And how do we speak the word of God? We just repeat what the Bible says. You can always tell a faithful pastor from an unfaithful one. If the unfaithful pastor says something you disagree with, Ask him, where is that in the Bible? And when he can't find it, you're talking to a false teacher. So this is how the kingdom is restored. The kingdom of heaven on earth called the Holy Christian Church by means of word and sacraments. It is when he had said these things, were in verse 9, Acts 1, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. This is what we refer to by the ascension. Now, you can um, get a concordance, which is a book that has all the words in the Bible, and look up the word cloud, and you'll find that a cloud often refers to God in his glory. It's a symbol of his majestic presence. Uh, Just read Exodus. And what is happening is that Jesus is now going to be at the right hand of God. How so? The best chapter and my favorite one in the Bible is Revelation chapter 5. Because there we see Jesus returning to heaven as a slain lamb. And that's why all the angels, all the elders, all the people... Give glory and honor to Jesus. But 
before it ends, verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven, now there's an example where the word heaven doesn't refer to the place that we're going to go and live eternally. It just refers to looking up at the clouds. Like when it says, and God created the heavens and the earth. That means the whole universe, the clouds, other planets, etc., the heavens. So they're looking up into heaven because they just saw him disappear. And behold, two men stood by them in white robes. Now, obviously, those are angels. It's kind of interesting how angels occur in Jesus' ministry. They occurred at his annunciation, remember, talking to the shepherds. They then occurred at his birth, where Gabriel talked to Mary. During his ministry, angels appeared in Mark 1 and Luke 22, and they did the first resurrection sermon to the women in Matthew 28. And now they're doing the ascension sermon. It's not unusual the word angel, angelos, refers to messenger. And therefore the message they deliver is a message about Jesus Christ. So what do they say, these two men, these angels? Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, that's obviously a supernatural event because you can't stand on a mountain and have yourself drift up into the clouds and disappear. That's the divine way marked by the image of the cloud. In fact, the Lord shall come out of heaven just as the apostles beheld them going into heaven, perfect God and perfect man, with glory and power. And he'll be coming back to do one thing, and that's to destroy the work of the devil. And he'll do it just by the word of his mouth. So what we have here is a beautiful example of what we can look forward to on the day of judgment. Christians dare not fear the day of judgment because it is a day when God is returning to do one thing, and that's to rejoin our spirits that are already in heaven if we've died as Christians with our bodies. Or if you're still on earth when Judgment Day comes, uh, according to other portions of the Bible, you will be changed immediately. Well, what does it mean changed? Well, you will receive your new body in heaven. It'll be a body that will not have pain, sorrow, suffering, death, and it will be a body that will live forever with Jesus in his body in the heavenly places. When we examine, therefore, Acts chapter 1, 
for the ascension, we understand that Jesus had to return to God the Father in order that he would return to us. And so it's a real comfort as we take a look at the message of Jesus Christ, who died so that we will never really die, and who is risen so we will live eternally. As indicated at the beginning of the broadcast, this is the 37th week in which we have done a Bible study for congregations. And as I indicated, if you would like to have a list of the 37 Bible studies, just email me at longgospel at longgospel101.com. And if you would like every broadcast that was live in 2018, we'll send you a DVD simply by sending us uh, $10. Uh, You can write a check, and the check can be made out to Tom Baker or to Trellian Productions. Tom Baker's a little easier. And you can send it to the address you're about to hear. I'm Tom Baker. Till tomorrow with Wes Rhymness on the Ascension. God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.